Here's what we would have done in, in past Hebrew gospel pearls. Yeah. We would have been talking about the verse, give you the verse, and then say, but I've got the smoking gun in the plus. Here's what we're doing instead. You're giving the it. Our public people are getting something that is a smoking gun. Oh, this, I mean, this is the kind of thing. Look, this, this is huge. You are listening to Hebrew Gospel Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. Exploring Hebrew New Testament manuscripts for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Shalom and welcome to Hebrew Gospel Pearls, episode 24. Today we will talk about the verse I've been waiting the entire series to get to, <laughs> Matthew 5.17. Oh boy, we're, we're just going to let you do your thing, Nehemiah. I'm so excited, <laughs> so excited about this one. Yes. So uh, let's start with the verse. Do you want to read? Can you start yeah, no, reading take, it in Greek? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I don't well, I mean, your English translation of the Greek. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Here we go. 5.17. Hold on. Is this uh, the NASP? Yes. Here it is, 5.17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Wow. And I'm telling you right now, Nehemiah, this is uh, this is going to be. I don't know if we'll ever. I, this, I don't know how long it's going to take. A long time to get out of this verse. I would, you know, this verse for me is is. Um, I mean, I get people all the time who ask me, and rightfully so. Why on earth are you spending so much of your energy and time and resources on studying the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, when you're not a Christian? And and I think it's a large part because of this verse. Uh, I grew up with the idea that Jesus. Uh, the Jesus of Christianity and growing up Jewish, I was taught that yes, the you know the Christians they believe in Jesus, and he uh, abolished the Torah. Mm. He um, he led people astray was mm-hmm. the term mesito mediach, mm. which is he uh, incited and led astray. Mm-hmm. And how did he incite and let us lead astray? He told the people, you don't have to keep the Torah anymore. The Torah has been done away with. Mm-hmm. And uh, years later. When I was a young adult and I was having a conversation with a Christian gentleman and he was keeping the Torah and he asked, well, how can you keep the Torah? And he read me this verse. I got to say, Keith, it was like somebody took a book and smacked me in the face with it. Really? So I'm like, that can't be in the New Testament. That, what? How, what? <laughs> no, that, that's contrary to everything that Christianity is about, mm. which is that... Um, you know, the Jews, they, they follow the old covenant, and the Christians now have the new covenant, which has replaced the old covenant. And, um, and part of that is a- abolishing the law, and Jesus is the new law. Mm-hmm. Now, is this not what Christians yeah, teach? Yeah, and me? actually, Nehemiah, to be honest with you, we, we probably um, should have stopped Hebrew Gospel Pearls after the last episode. No. If we would have stopped after the last episode yeah. and shook hands and said, hey, this is great, we had a great time, we have 25 public and 25 um, uh, plus episodes. But I have to be honest with you, this verse, 517, uh, is one that it's not going to be easy to get through this one. It's not going to be easy to get through this one without having to address something mm. for years you said you would never address. What's that? And what's that? I don't know what. You said you don't do theology. Okay. I don't think we have to do theology. I don't think we have to either. I don't want to do theology. You know I want to focus on what the text says. Absolutely. Because theologically, you can say, yes, the, the, the purpose of the sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ was to um, you know, fulfill some function, and therefore we don't keep... Okay, that, 
That could be, that could not be. Right. That's a matter of theology. Mm -hmm. What does the text say? Exactly. And, and this text is as clear as you could possibly be. So what I want you to do, again, folks, we're used to doing yeah. this. I want you to read it in Hebrew, and then I want you to translate it Nehemiah style. Okay. Nehemiah style. All right. I'm not sure I know what that means, but sure. <laughs> I um, So, all right. Let me pull up. I've got here. Uh, oh, now this is interesting here. Yes. Because, you know, it's interesting. In the last few episodes, uh, we talked about Dr. Mark yeah. two episodes ago and about textual criticism. But I, and I just realized this. There were no, almost no textual critical issues in those verses we covered. 13 and then 14. Through, right, whether he was written with a vav or a yud, which was a very trivial issue, um, which illustrated you know, kind of what was going on with textual criticism. And can we say something? That we, yeah. But you still checked all the manuscripts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was, absolutely there was just was, nothing interesting to nothing talk there. about. Yep. Here we've got some major textual critical issues to the point where we have a sharp distinction between what I've called group A and group B. Amen. And then we have a piece of a, I don't even know how we're gonna have time to do all this, but there's a smoking gun. Now we, we brought a smoking gun in a previous episode from what I call manuscript Q. And it turns out manuscript Q has layers to it I didn't even know about. And, um, and, and it really shed some light on what was going on. So let, let me read the verse. Okay. I'm gonna read it first from, man, from, from, the, um, from the B group. Uh, the B group includes the British Library manuscript, which is what George Howard used. At that time, Yeshua said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the Torah or violate the Torah, invalidate the Torah, but rather to complete, to make perfect. We'll talk about what that means if we have time. Now, Group A manuscripts, and I'm going to read specifically from Q, uh, has something not that different, but slightly different. At the time Yeshua said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the Torah and the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but rather to complete, to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And the difference there is four words. Mm -hmm. Four words we don't find in the B group, which includes manuscripts. Uh, and I'm giving letters because each one has like a long name, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like Z is uh, British London British Library. Um, I don't even remember the number. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was calling it Manuscript Z. So the manuscripts that don't have the four words and the prophets I did not come to abolish are Z, C, N, T, V, E, F, um, let's see, and then uh, uh, what I would call gamma, B, L, and R. Mm -hmm. So there's 11 manuscripts that have the verse but don't have those four words. Right. Uh, I want to look at manuscript Q, Mm -hmm. because it turns out Q is the key to this entire mystery <laughs> of these four. And this is a text-critical problem, right? In other words, in Man Matthew 5.17, does it say, uh, I did not come to abolish the Torah but to fulfill? Or does it say, I did not come to abolish the Torah and the prophets, but I, uh, um, I did not come to abolish but to fulfill, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, or don't think that I have come to abolish the Torah, but to fill, or don't uh, think that I have come to abolish the Torah and the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. So, so are those, and in Hebrew, that's four words. And the prophets, 
right? In English, it's and the prophets. In Hebrew, it's one word. No, I came to abolish. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we'll talk about what lehafer means if we have time to abolish. What do you mean? Uh, it's in my notes. I have to have time. Okay, well, I got a little red letters. We got so much to talk about here. <laughs> so now for the text critical issue. And this is a smoking gun. This is literally the smoking gun. Although, I guess not literally, because it's not a gun and it's not smoking. It's a manuscript. <laughs> so here is manuscript Q. Let's look at it over here. Mm-hmm. And we can see right there, a little bit below the middle of the page, we have a bunch of words written in a smaller script in a different handwriting above the line. Mm-hmm. And what are those four words? They're the four words, and the prophets, I did not come to abolish. Wow. So what is that? why are they written above the line? Because the scribe was reading his text, and he at some point realized there's four words missing, and he added them. Mm-hmm. And here's the question, where did he add them from? Mm-hmm. So... George Howard published the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew in 1987. Actually, the one you have there is from 1995. I want to show people that. Yes. That is, uh, that's the 1995 edition called the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew. His 1987 edition was called the Gospel of Matthew according to a primitive Hebrew text. Stop. <laughs> oh, oh, you. Oh, I decided oh. <laughs> in preparation. You still have that? I decided in preparation. For the next three episodes, wow. to bring the Gospel of Matthew according to a primitive Hebrew text, which, folks, I want to say to you, I received this in the mail. You remember the mail? Nehemiah? <laughs> what we call snail mail no, in my I generation. Wanna, I want to set the stage because yeah. this is really important. So Nehemiah says to me, hey, listen, I'd like to study with you the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to send you a text. <laughs> And so, what? tell me the process that you had to go through to send me this. So they had this at the... What year was it? 2015, 18 years ago. <laughs> wow. It would have been 2003 or two. And I, by the I way, remember. let me just say something. In episode 19, I have something that he wrote. I'm going to ask him to actually say it's pretty really? amazing. You know, is it in there? Yes. You're kidding me. All right. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I, I, ho- I hope I'll be able to read my own handwriting. Um, <clears throat> so I was uh, studying at uh, Hebrew University at the time at the Mount Scopus campus in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And I was doing the research on this topic. And they had the copy of that book. They actually didn't have the 1995 edition right. at the time. They had the 1987 edition. Which you liked the title better. You liked uh, oh, I, it. Was, it was a much more uh, academic title. Let's, put, mm-hmm. let's say the, the, gospel, the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew, that was marketing. Uh, according to a primitive Hebrew the text. The Gospel of Matthew according to a primitive Hebrew text is, is <laughs> that's a very academic title. And there I'm, are some differences. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they're <laughs> yes. completely different. Yes. Um, well, the body of the text isn't completely different, right. but his introduction is yeah. different. What he did in the 95 edition, if I remember correctly, is he took a bunch of journal articles, slapped them together, and put them as an intro to his mm-hmm. book. Um, and in 87, what he had done is he gave his own introduction, actually. It was, mm-hmm. it was a lot more detailed, and mm-hmm. um, I found more interesting. So what I did is I went to the basement of Mount Scopus <laughs> Library, the main library, and I photocopied the book. Yeah. And because you couldn't buy it anywhere that I could find, and then I had it spiral bound, yep, um, with that like plastic spiral kind of thing they they did back then in Jerusalem. I don't know if they still do that. And I sent it to you in the snail mail, mm-hmm. All right? International mail. <laughs> yeah, and and I the reason I'm bringing that up, Nehemiah, is yeah. that when I received that invitation, that started me on a process, mm. and that process has been long. Yeah, to get to this point. And again, five, seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen are the key. So I, I'm sorry now. If, I, if we did it today, we'd just make a PDF, right? But back right. then, that, that wasn't the way you did it. Um, 
So in this book, The Gospel of Matthew According to a Primitive Hebrew Text, George Howard hypothesizes, he suggests that there was a process where the text was very different from the Greek, and over time it was modified to match the Greek. Mm-hmm. What we are looking at right here on the screen is the smoking gun that proves Howard's hypothesis. Wow. So we have there the four words written above the line, mm-hmm. and it gets better. <laughs> so these four words were written above the line, and in all of the, the manuscripts from the A group, those words appear, mm-hmm. but in all the other manuscripts, they're not written above the line, they're in the body of the text. And what that means is the next time they copied this, they copied those words into the body of the text. Mm-hmm. Now, we've got to ask a very important question. How do we know that they copied those words into the body of the text from above the line, maybe they were in the body of the text and all the other A-group manuscripts, mm-hmm. and then in one of them they left it out, so they came and they fixed it, right? And they mm-hmm. added it above the line. Mm-hmm. That, that's always a possibility. Mm-hmm. So here's one piece of evidence. We, it seems that in every place where there's writing above the line, so far as I've been able to see so far, and if I find different, I'll, I'll share with the people, but in several instances, whenever there's writing above the line, in manuscript Q, and, and there's a lot of places in manuscript Q with this writing above the line, in those very same places, those words are missing from the B group, right? So it seems that manuscript Q is that link, the missing link between there's a bunch of words that are not in the text in the B group, mm-hmm. and then the A group, they're in the text, and in Q, they're written above the line. Now, certainly you're going to tell me this, Nehemia. You did that on purpose. You purposely titled that manuscript Q, because all through my seminary, all through my studies, we always talked about Q. There's Q. Q is the thing that's missing, but is this So so Q in New Testament studies is the source. It's a complete coincidence. Um, God incidents. Oh, God incidents, sure. (laughs) I don't know. So the reason I called it Q is that Howard listed his manuscripts A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, right? He had eight manuscripts plus the British Library he didn't give a letter to. I call that manuscript Z. Right, so, so just from Howard, I've got nine manuscripts. And then I sat down at the National Library of Israel at the Institute of Microfilm Hebrew Manuscripts and started looking for more manuscripts. <laughs> and as I looked for them, I gave them letters. J, K, L, M, N, O, P, and Q. <laughs> and it's simply in the order that I found it, right? What? And how did I find it? Uh, I did all kinds of different com- complicated searches, right? Um, because they're not always, sometimes it's part of the Shem Tov's Hebrew Matthew, sometimes it's not part of Shem Tov's Hebrew Matthew, it's a thing by itself. Yeah. So, but, but let me just say something. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah. At this time, now in the past, previous Hebrew Gospel Pearls, yeah. here's what we would have done. I'm going to throw us both under the bus. Here's what we would have done in, in past Hebrew Gospel Pearls. Yeah. We would have been talking about the verse, give you the verse, and then say, but I've got the smoking gun in the plus. Here's what we're doing instead. You're giving the it. Our public people are getting something that is a smoking gun. Oh, this! I mean, this is the kind of thing. Look, that this this is huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, am I right or wrong? This this is like a, what do the Russians call it? The mother bomb. <laughs> yes. It's like the the you know yes. bombus whatever it's yes. called. This is this is huge. Yes. This is a major major thing. Yes. Now, I, I want to bring another piece of evidence which I I didn't know about um, until relatively recently. I actually found that I did know about it in my notes, but I'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had notes from like 15 years ago. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I already knew about that. But I had forgotten about this. So there are three manuscripts, two of which are copies of the first one. 
And how do I know that two are a copy of the first one? Mm-hmm. So in, it's very common in manuscripts to have something called a colophon. Yes. A colophon is information written when you're done writing a manuscript or done with a certain section of the manuscript. And the colophon uh, gives information about who wrote it, who copied it. Mm-hmm. So manuscript Q has a colophon, not from the original author, but from the copyist who copied that particular manuscript. Mm-hmm. And the colophon says as follows. It's pretty interesting here. So it says, um, I, Menachem Moscato, son of my Lord Father Moses, this is the scribe who was copying this, wrote in the region of Friuli in the city of Porto Guaro, and it was completed on Tuesday the 5th of Sivan in the year 5344 which is equivalent to May 15th, 1584 in the Gregorian calendar. So this colophon, let me show you what it looks like. Unfortunately, I don't have a color image of this because I only ordered color images for manuscript Q of, of the main pages because it was like 15 euros a page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't get this, this page I only have in black and white. But here's the really incredible thing, okay? So that's manuscript Q. This now here is the same colophon in manuscript K, verbatim, I, Menachem Muscato, son of my Lord, Father Moses, wrote here in Freuli in the city of Porto Guerrero, and it was completed on uh, such and such a date. So we have two manuscripts, mm-hmm. and one of them has a copy, not just of the text, but of the colophon mm-hmm. of the other manuscript. Mm-hmm. So that means we can say quite definitively that K is a copy of Q. Mm-hmm. And here's where it gets really exciting, Keith. <laughs> so, in Q, those four words are written above the line. Right. In K, which is a copy of Q, to the point where it even has the same colophon, those four words are in the body of the text. Oh. So, George Howard in 1987 <laughs> hypothesizes that we have a bunch of differences between the manuscript. Over time, there's a process of making the... Ma- oh, and those four words are in the Greek. Did I mention that? Absolutely. The four words that are not in the British Library, they're not in the B group, they're only in the A group, those four words are uh, in the Greek. So Howard's hypothesis was, well, originally Hebrew Matthew, as Shem Tov wrote it, had a lot of differences from the Greek, and over time it was modified to match the Greek. And here we have the smoking gun, (laughs) where the scribe wrote those four words above the line, and then in the next copy of that exact manuscript, the four words are in the body of the text. Now, Nehemiah, listen. I'm done. (laughs) You can't be done, because i got to ask you a controversial question. Yeah. There's no answer to this. I have a theory. Yeah. So... In the Greek, it says, uh, and the prophets. In other words, it's right. Torah and the prophets. Right. I'm just throwing this out. Why might the Greek want to do that? It's a good question. Why do you think the... So, so I have a, I have, <laughs> I have a, I have a theory, but I want to hear yours first. <laughs> I have a theory, too, because we're going to deal with this later in the, in, in the episode. But here's the thing. Yeah. And, and, I, and again... I don't want to go too far, but I, I at least have to say this. At that time, this is what Howard says. Mm. At that time, I love that he did that, Jesus said to his disciples, do not think I came to annul the Torah, but to fulfill it. And that the English says, the Torah and the prophets. Well, maybe that same people that were, you know, trying to, how, how you might say. Um, Abolish the Torah? Uh, yeah. Or, no, maybe I should put it this way. 
theology-wise, theologically, yeah. maybe there's a theological issue here. Mm. In other words, if, if he is coming to fulfill it, yeah. then it needs to be the Torah and the prophets. Mm. Just a thought. Okay, in other words, so, so if you look at, and let, let's, let's put it this way, if you look at the verses that according to the New Testament that Yeshua fulfilled, what percentage of those are in the Torah versus the versus prophets? The prophets exactly. And a much higher percentage are in yes. the prophets. Mm -hmm. uh, and so in other words, what, you're, what I think you're suggesting, and this is what I was thinking too, mm. is that if you're focusing on the word to fulfill, exactly. and the word to fulfill there means, as it's understood by most Christians, I think, that to fulfill the, the law and the prophets means through the messianic prophecies. Right. Right? right, Isaiah said he would right. be born of a virgin. I've now fulfilled it through mm -hmm. being born of a virgin. Right, mm -hmm. um, so if if that's your understanding of what fulfill means, I understand why you would add in and the prophets. Right. Right. What I love about this here's what to me is so powerful about textual criticism. I could say, well, the wind is blowing that way, and therefore I prefer the yeah. Greek versus the Hebrew. Right. And I could even say, well, even some of the Hebrew manuscripts have that. So yes. it's not just the Greek. It's some of the Hebrew manuscripts are in agreement. But now I've got the smoking gun. I didn't bring manuscript A, which also has the same colophon, by the way, and also has those words in the body of the text. So it's three manuscripts, two of which were copied from Q or from maybe an intermediary. So, so it's not just some arbitrary decision to say, mm -hmm. well, I prefer this reading. Mm -hmm. I can show with definitive and objective evidence mm -hmm. how I know that the original, the, as Howard called it, the primitive Hebrew text, at the very least the text that Shem Tov had in 1380, mm -hmm. did not have and the prophets, mm -hmm. that it was added in, in manuscript Q, and then from there it disseminated to the mm -hmm. other uh, of the A group. Mm -hmm. So that's what I love about textual criticism is it gives me the tools. It's like a toolkit exactly. that it gives me the ability to objectively deal with this kind of issue and answer it, not just for my opinion or my theology, mm -hmm. but in, a, in, a, in an objective way. Wow. I love it, man. Boy, there's so much to talk about here. I, I don't even know how we're going to do this. And in, in, I think we might what? have to... To do a little bit of a longer session today, if if, if you'll if you'll yeah, absolutely bear with me. absolutely because I want I, I want to give our I want I want I'm so glad that we're yeah. doing this for the public episode because mm -hmm. this is a lot of the hard hat stuff that we end up doing in plus for all of those mm -hmm. other ones I mean going deep into the, the manuscripts and this kind of thing and now you're starting out that way which yeah. I really love that so people can see it yeah. but can we can we can we at least address the issue of a little bit of the meaning of the words. I mean, in other words, are you, are so, you ready so, to do that? Um, I want to I start with reading something from the Word Biblical Commentary, if you'll allow me. You really? What's this thing? What, no, what's this new thing about the Word? All of a sudden, it's, it's got some first, interesting insights. What, what, what's this thing where you're using, going to, going to them for the commentary? What, what is that about? I mean, you, you shocked me when you did that a couple times. It, it's actually a really good commentary. I know it is. I've actually, Dr. Moster told me about it. Yeah, you did the Word Biblical. Okay. But let me ask you. Uh, what, well, it takes a philological approach, which I appreciate, meaning it's looking at linguistics and history and archaeology. Okay. Now, it then will insert its theology, right? But you don't have to accept the theology. <laughs> It actually separates yep. those out. Yep. Yep. So here it says, uh, it's on verse 17, do not think that I came, presupposes the existence of the opinion that is denied. So in other words, why would Yeshua say, do not think that I came to do X, Y, Z? Because there were people who thought that he came to do, to do away with X, mm -hmm. Y, Z. Mm -hmm. And so why would anybody think that? that so so let, let's discuss that. So... Um, I want to read on with the word biblical commentary. Now, bear in mind that, that part of this is an evangelical, you might even call fundamentalist commentary, mm -hmm. but part of it is 
part of, how do I put this, higher criticism. Mm -hmm. We talked about lower criticism, which is textual criticism. Higher criticism is what they call the top half of the page. Mm -hmm. And it deals with, okay, who wrote these things and why? Mm -hmm. And it presupposes that what's written is not divinely inspired or not the word of God. Mm -hmm. So I'm only going to read it not because I'm presenting that opinion or I'm not because I'm presenting that as my opinion. This is what word biblical commentary says, okay? Mm -hmm. He says, although it is unlikely that we are supposed, let's see, um, it is unlikely that we are to suppose that like James, Matthew here opposes Paul or an explicitly Pauline group. In other words, the assumption of the word biblical commentary is that according to Paul, Yeshua did away with the Torah. He abolished the Torah. Mm -hmm. And according to the word biblical commentary, James was opposed to this and upheld the Torah. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's arguing, not just arguing, it's taking it as a given that there was a split in the early church between James who said the Torah still stood and Paul who said the Torah was abolished And so therefore, perhaps they projected the words into the mouth of Yeshua against Paul in order to say, do not think that I've come to do away with the Torah and the prophets. I've came not to do away, but to fulfill. That was a a Jamesian idea contrary to Paul. Okay. Now they don't accept that explanation, but they bring up that explanation, which is maintained by other scholars. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's many scholars out there, very serious, learned scholars who say that these words were fashioned in order to oppose what Paul was teaching and say, you know what, Paul? Yeshua himself said that he did not do come to do with what you claimed he did. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that Paul did away with the Torah, right? Uh, I'm saying this is what they're saying, mm-hmm. what these scholars are saying, what these Christian scholars are saying. And, and the word biblical commentary mentions that as a possibility, but then kind of rejects it because they don't, you know, they, they, they don't believe that um, there was a split, really, maybe between Paul and James, I guess, mm-hmm. at least the author of this part of the commentary. Um, he says, here it is fair to assume that Jesus' sovereign interpretation of the law was so out of step with contemporary interpretation, e.g. the Pharisees, that it seemed to many that Jesus was going against the law. In other words, um, they now say, no, when he said the Torah and the prophets, he didn't mean the Torah and the prophets. He meant the rabbinical interpretation of the Torah and the prophets. Mm-hmm. And according to the word biblical commentary, he's saying, look, don't think I came to do away with the Torah and the prophets, even though I'm opposed to the rabbis. Now, Nehemiah. Yeah. <laughs> controversy. All right. So you're bringing the word biblical commentary. Yeah. Now, I'm a little frustrated with you. Look, you brought the Christian look, commentary a few the, episodes but, ago. But, but here's what you didn't read. Here's what you didn't read. He puts in parentheses, and this is, this is why this is so confusing yeah. to me at times. I'm glad you said who it is that writes. It says that it seemed to many that Jesus was going against the law, parentheses, Indeed, at one level, we shall see that he does. Well, we'll get to that in future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is what I want to do. Yeah. And bear with me. We're almost, we're almost, I just want to do one, 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 two, two small things. Two small things. Because I actually had this before that statement of the, of the commentary. And that is two words. I just want us to look at one of them. Can we just look at one of them? Sure. The word is, you, you use the word to annul. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, lay fair. Can I read, can I just read a few verses? Sure. Where the exact same, the way that it is there, that he uses it there, is used in other places. I'm going to use the one in 2644 of Leviticus. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of the enemies, I will not reject them, nor will I so abhor them as to destroy them. And then, and this is the NASB, I believe, breaking, my covenant with them, Mm -hmm. for I am Yehovah their God. 
Next one. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Hithophel, for Yehovah had ordained to thwart Lehafer, the good counsel. And that's 2 Samuel 17, 14. Just a couple more. Mm-hmm. For thus says Adonai Yehovah, I will also do with you as you have done, you who have despised the oath by breaking Lehafer. Again, you, you um, gave in the A group and the B group, and I think it is in the B group, they use Lehafer twice. In the A group, they use it once. Mm-hmm. So in other words, this is the word that we're using. The NASB is translated. The, other way, the B group has the B, it once, uh, A has it twice. Has it twice. Uh, two more. Now he despised the oath by breaking Lehafer, the covenant. This is uh, Ezekiel 17, 18, uh, Zechariah eleven fourteen. Then I cut in pieces my second staff union to break Lehafer. Uh, now I'm giving you the NASB's translation of that word. Mm-hmm. One more I want to give. And hired counselors against them to frustrate Lehafer, their counsel all the mm-hmm. days of Cyrus, king of Persia. That's Ezra 4, 5. Mm-hmm. When you translated it, yeah. what did you say? Now, I mean, I've got Lehafer to break, to, to annul, to what, 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 how do you see the word? So it's definitely used in the context of um, someone who is uh, doing something that's, that, that expresses that the covenant is no longer valid. Okay. So in other words, in Hebrew, you have the, this, this um, balance you cut a covenant, mm-hmm. that's karat, mm-hmm. and lahafer is you abolish a covenant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, the abolishing the covenant mm-hmm. could be by violating the terms of the covenant mm-hmm. or just saying it's no longer valid. Mm-hmm. So here's right. the thing. So when I when I'm see that, so this, this, mm-hmm. this idea of breaking. Now there's another word, and I don't know if we're going to have time to get to this or not, because it's the issue of, he says, it says, do not think. Mm-hmm. That word, there's depth, Nehemiah. I mean, we should do a Bible study on that oh, word. Oh, wow. I mean, so, so I, I, love, I love Michael Rood has this beautiful teaching where he, he, uh, he's talking about context mm-hmm. and how important context yeah. is. Because without context, you could say, well, Yeshua taught you not to think. What do you mean he taught me not to think? <laughs> he says, do not think. <laughs> Right, but you got to keep reading. You got to keep you gotta reading. read the full verse. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, do we do we talk so, about that word? Or what's so, your thought? Uh, wow. So um, I don't. Uh, we have so much to talk about. Um, give me a few more minutes. So Absolutely. Zach, so I, I want to quote you though. Okay. So while we were doing our secret study with Nelson, you wrote something and I typed it down, verbatim. Keith, quote: There were already people at the time of the Sermon on the Mount that said, "He has come to release us from the Torah." And with that, we're going to the plus section. <laughs> no, <just> Hold on. <laughs> just How did we go from I have not come to do away with the yes. Torah to the very purpose of my coming to earth was to set mankind free from the Torah? Mm. And, and look, that is this theological, mm. um, I don't know what the word is, a problem in a sense yes. that Christians have. Christianity, by and large, right? Obviously, there's exceptions. But most Christians teach the Torah has been done away with. Mm-hmm. It's been replaced mm-hmm. with a new covenant. Mm-hmm. And how do we explain away Matthew 5, 17? And the answer that's often given, which I don't know if we'll get to in the plus, yeah. is that the word to fulfill means oh, absolutely. to fulfill prophetically. Let me tell you something, folks. And, and once it's fulfilled prophetically, we don't need it anymore. Let me, let me tell you something, folks. Uh, my friend Howard, who tiptoes in the, around the tulips, his text, he does a theological theological gymnastics. And Hemi, I want to say to you right now, yeah. we, I mean, it would be easy for us to kind of pass over it, but I think mm-hmm. we got to lean into that. I don't care how long it takes. It's on Nehemiah's wall anyway, the plus section. You know that, right? Yeah. But we can take hours <laughs> to talk about this. It's really important that we walk okay. away understanding what it means, language, history, and context mm. on the issue of 
English fulfilled. So, so let me tell you what I want to do in the plus section, since Excellent. we're not going to have time to get to it. Okay. Uh, it, until the plus section. So here's what here's one of the things I want to do. I want to ask the question. I've been waiting a long time until we got this to do this. Yes. Um, we ha- so so we saw in the word biblical commentary there is this assumption. Say assumption. Assumption. That Paul taught the Torah was done away with, and James taught that the Torah was still valid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's just, let, let's leave that assumption aside, and 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 work under the assumption that Paul didn't abolish the Torah. Because mm-hmm. if Paul abolishes abolished the Torah, then we know when the Torah was abolished. Right. But let's leave that aside and say, other than Paul, which most Christians say abolished the Torah, what's the earliest source? Now we're talking where the Torah is explicitly in the mouth of a Christian abolished. Right. And I don't know if I found the earliest source. But I've got some really, really good sources (laughs) that explicitly say the Torah has been abolished. And here's why it's important. There's a lot of people out there have this idea that up until the Council of Nicaea, everyone in the church was a Messianic Jew. Mm -hmm. They went to the synagogue. They prayed three times a day. They put on phylacteries. Not only were they Messianic Jews, they were were rabbinical Messianic Jews. And then Constantine came along and abolished that and made Christianity into the anti-Torah, anti-Nomian, is the technical term, anti-Nomian mm-hmm. uh, Christianity is today. And what we're going to look at is, is sources that show that way before the Council of Nicaea, yes. in 325 AD, headed by Const- or established by Constantine, there were people who taught against the Torah, and there were people who taught in favor of the Torah. Amen. And just some of the sources we'll have, hopefully look at if we have time, is the Epistle of Barnabas, mm-hmm. written between the year 70 and 132 CE, meaning after the destruction of the temple, before the Bar Kokhba revolt. Um, Irenaeus, who wrote around the year 180 AD, and Justin Martyr, who's writing around the year 150 AD. And I'm not bringing these to prove mm-hmm. that people in the early church didn't follow the Torah. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to find out is, okay, some people were still following the Torah in the fourth century. Mm-hmm. And I know that because there's church fathers who rebuke them for doing so. Mm-hmm. But at what point did the other group gain um, existence, mm-hmm. come into existence where there were people who were saying, no, 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 the Torah's done away with, mm-hmm. right? And, and most Christians would say, well, that was Paul, mm-hmm. right? He would say, now that you have Jesus, you don't need the Torah. Mm-hmm. Okay, but let's leave Paul out of it because I mean, people have whole entire ministries dedicated to trying to understand Paul. Let's, let's focus on, um, other than Paul, what are your, your definitive statements where people have said that the Torah has been done away with? Um, and in contrast, how does that compare to the people who are still keeping the Torah? And who are and say, by people, I mean followers of Yeshua. Yeah, that's why I say Nehemiah. And I'm, I'm glad that the plus section is going to be uh, at Nehemiah's wall. Uh, you uh, um, single-handedly have been supporting uh, our research assistant through uh, Nehemiah's wall. And as a result of our conversation that we were having, we were diving, digging, 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 digging. And I say to myself, and there's so much digging. There's so much that came up. And you're going to share it in the plus section. So well, and the other you- thing I want to share, and, and, and this I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm divided here. So we're going to do the plus section, and I'm, I'm debating whether we should do a plus plus. Because <laughs> there's something I want to share. Only if the plus plus is at bfainternational.com. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> it's not, we're going to do one plus section. So, <laughs> so the plus plus, and, and maybe we'll get to it in the plus if we have time. Yeah. I want to bring the only, so, the only um, testimony of, the new, of a New Testament statement of Yeshua's uh, uh, teaching 
that appears in all of early Jewish literature. Amen. In other words, in the entire New Testament, yeah. everything that Yeshua taught that's recorded in the New Testament, there is one single verse that appears, it's actually in the Babylonian Talmud, mm -hmm. and it's quoted from Yeshua, meaning it's attributed to him. Mm -hmm. And that, I want to bring that and share that with people, and that's Matthew 5.17. Absolutely. And which is incredible. What? And what I'm saying is... If you think is, about the entire New Testament, there's one verse for which we have independent corroboration mm -hmm. outside of Christian literature, and it's Matthew 5.17. Yes. And what that reveals is, I think, kind of mind-blowing. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. So let's uh, let's talk about. All it. right. So, guys, oh, I'm really excited about the plus. <laughs> I can't wait. Yehovah, thank you. I want to say Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech Haolam, Shechianu v'Kimanu v'Giyanu l'Manazeh. Blessed are you, Yehovah, O Lord, King of the Universe, who has sustained us and allowed us to live to reach this point that we actually. Made it to Matthew 5.17, <laughs> where we'll be able to share some of the most exciting things in the entire series. I'm very excited, and I'm so thankful. Thank you for giving me the knowledge to be able to find these sources and share them with people. Amen. Father, thank you for our people that are listening. Thank you that they can get a little bit of a, a taste of what's been happening over these previous uh, so many of these episodes where Nehemiah has been able to bring information that, that literally the world hasn't been able to see and to interact with. And we've been able to be um, blessed by being able to, to glean from uh, his, his, his many years of study and uh, expertise in this area. Now we ask that you bless those that are listening, bless those mm -hmm. that will go to the plus, and, and bless, those, bless us as we mm -hmm. continue uh, to consider what it means to, to lead in this area, to teach in this area, to share in this area. Thank you for Hebrew Gospel Pearls. And, and all that it has been, uh, all that it is, and hopefully all that it will be in your name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to Hebrew Gospel Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For a more in-depth study, check out Hebrew Gospel Pearls Plus at NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com. Thank you for your support.